good Sunday, brothers and sisters. If you're listening to this after Sunday, good day to you. Celebrate every single day as if it is Sunday. And I mean by praising God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, and getting to continually know His Son, the Savior, the King, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, as He will change your life. Hallelujah. He's changed mine, brothers and sisters. I know He can change yours. We're going to have this message from Brother Billy Graham titled, Fools. Because I know that there are a lot of them that are out there that are misunderstanding what this life is about. So we hope that this is going to help set the record straight. And what we need you to do, brothers and sisters, is to share this far and wide with all that you can through Neo420.com, up at the menu, the talks page, and then the podcast. We need you to just share this far and wide so all that need to hear it will because otherwise they're not going to know the truth. Stay tuned for that episode and go back in Archives of Truth as it's there available on our website all for free. We hope you have a great rest of the day. This is Neo420 Talks, the podcast speaking truth against the lies. Our archives, the Billy Graham Classics. I'm sure that by now, all of you that are watching by television know that we're at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. I want to speak on the subject of fools. F-O-O-L-S. You remember Anthony Newley saying, what kind of a fool am I to the top of the charts some years ago? P.T. Barnum came to this country and he said that a fool is born every minute in the United States. He said, the American people want to be fooled, and I'm here to fool them. And that's how Barnum and Bailey got started. But 1 Corinthians, the third chapter and the 18th verse, these words, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And in Proverbs 10:21 it says, Fools die for the want of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says, fools despise wisdom. Now you ask the question tonight, what is a fool? Look it up in your dictionary. I looked it up in a book of synonyms. What is a fool? And here are some of the things that it says. A stupid person, a bonehead, a blockhead, a simpleton, a chump, a nitwit, a nincompoop, a dullard, an oaf, a goose, a sap, a saphead, Silly Willie, <laughs> Numbskull, Ignoramus, Beetlehead. Those were just some of the synonyms of what a fool is. But there's another definition that I found in the dictionary that says that a fool is a person deficient in judgment, an idiot, a moron, an imbecile, a halfwit, and a defective. And then there's a third definition in your dictionary that says, under the meaning of fool, one who is a professional jester or a clown is many times called a fool in another meaning of the word. Then there's a fourth meaning in the dictionary. One who has been imposed on by others like a stooge or a, a person that's a very gullible person. We sometimes call him a fool. Now in the Bible, 
It may mean all of this as it's used in its context because the word fool is used many times, but it's also a moral form. And these verses that I just read to you seem to contradict each other. They seem to be paradoxical. 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says, let him become a fool. And then in Proverbs 1.7, it says, fools despise wisdom. Now, this is from God's point of view that we are looking at it tonight. What is a fool? In one passage, the fool is an unthinking, thoughtless, a careless person without true understanding. In the other passage, the word fools is used from the standpoint of people who have received Christ and the world laughs at them because they're Christians, as the coach was saying a moment ago. So there are unwise fools in the Bible and there are wise fools in the Bible. Now to be born again has become a popular expression in the United States. But if you stood in a university in some of the countries that I go to and say that you'd been born again and carry a Bible around and prayed, you would certainly be called a fool. Jesus said, whoever calls his brother a fool is in danger of hellfire. Then why does the Bible call certain people a fool if Jesus says, if you call your brother a fool? I wouldn't dare use that name for you and never use the word fool in anger because that's what that passage really means. If you use the word fool in anger and call a man a fool, Jesus said you're in danger of hellfire. That's pretty strong language. Go home and look it up. But I'm telling you what God says about you, many of you, in certain instances. There are many fools in the Bible. I'm going to list a few of them tonight. One, there's the atheistic fool or the agnostic fool. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Now that expression is found twice in Psalms, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. And the, word, the Hebrew word carries with it the idea, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God for me. In other words, you have rejected the idea of serving God. You really know there's a God. You know there's a supernatural being, but he's not for you. The Bible says you're a fool. I look up in the starry heavens at night in this wonderful weather we've been having in Indiana. And you can see the stars at night. And I sense the voice of conscience within. And like Immanuel Kant many years ago, I say, I know there must be a God. How could he put together a mind that we have? Or if you could see the birth of a baby, just sex itself. When you think it through, life and death, the entire universe. They are now telling us that the universe is so great, there may be no end to it billions and billions and billions of galaxies and billions of stars and planets in each galaxy and we don't have instruments to go to the end of it. Back of it is a supernatural being called God. We cannot conceive of the universe in its perfect precision without an intellectual mind back of it. I sat beside Werner Vern Braun, longtime personal friend, at a dinner one evening, and he said, only a fool could say there's no God. 
and how right he was. But you know, there are, there are people here today that, that wouldn't say that you're an atheist or an agnostic, but you know, you live like one. So you are a practical atheist. You profess to believe in God, but you live as though there is no God. So practically, you're an atheist. And the Bible says that you're a fool. I heard about a professor who was having his shoes shine. And he came out with an oath using the name of God. And the shoe shine boy uh, said, Sir, aren't you afraid to curse God? And the professor responded, Well, don't you know there's no God? Now, there'd be no professor like that in Notre Dame. But there may be at some other universities that are watching. Don't you know that there's no God? And the shoeshine boy, in his simple childlike faith, looked up and he said, Sir, don't you suppose that you really ought to be saying there's no God that you know of? Yes, there is God. But there is the atheistic fool in the Bible. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God for me. Are you like that? Not intellectually, but I mean in your heart, in the way you live. And then secondly, there's the ignorant fool. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the reason we ought to study we ought to study the Bible. We ought to study God. We ought to study philosophy. We ought to study the serious things of life. We hear a great deal today about the Bible, whether it's the infallible Word of God or not. Well, but God has spoken in this book and through this book and given us this book. And He gives instruction not only through the book, but by the Holy Spirit. He shows the path of life. He warns of judgment to come. He tells us plainly about how to be saved. And anybody reading this book would know the way of salvation. And there's no excuse for ignorance. You'll never be able to stand before God and say, I never knew. Because you remember that night back in South Bend in 1977 when you were told how to find Christ and you didn't? That won't be an excuse. People say, well, I don't believe the Bible because I can't understand it. Well, I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and produce white milk and yellow butter, but I believe in the milk. <laughs> I don't understand all about television. I don't even understand the mother's love. It's something intangible, how that a mother will love a child all the way to hell and back. No matter what the child does, the mother's love is there. It's something God gave. But you can't put it in a test tube and prove it. But it's there. What they're saying is that they're fools when they reject the Word of God. God says fools despise wisdom and instruction. People of Zion were at ease because Zion means Jerusalem, the city of the king. It was a strong city with massive walls, the royal city. But the people were dwelling in a fool's paradise because they were sinning against God and they were rebelling against God and God has no pets. Israel was God's chosen people but when they sinned and rebelled time after time, God judged them just like he will judge America. America is no pet of God's. Amos the prophet thundered 
Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Woe to them that are at ease in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles or Atlanta or Dallas or Houston or wherever it may be. And we in America are at ease, thinking that we're safe and secure and we're living in a fool's paradise. I remember when I was a boy, we used to have something we'd find out on the farm and we called it fool's gold. It looked like gold and we would go out in the stream and we would get our pans and we would pan for that gold. That it would, and I'd take it to my mother and I'd say, Mother, I found some gold. And I remember the first time I was so disillusioned when she told me it was called fool's gold. It wasn't real gold. I thought I'd found some real gold. And many of you have gold. And you think you're living in paradise and you think that this sort of temporary happiness and peace that you're involved in is going to last and it's about ready to break up now. Because you don't know Christ. You see, the only thing that is cohesive, the only thing that will hold it all together is Christ. And the man who thinks that he can be a Christian at the same time live for the devil is living in a fool's paradise. And then the third Fool in the Bible that I want to mention tonight is fools make a mock of sin, Proverbs 14, 9, the mocking fool. God is a holy God. He demands holiness and righteousness among his people. And yet we mock sin. There's the deceitfulness of sin, the awfulness of sin, the treachery of sin. Sin is like a cancer. You may not sense it, you may not feel it, but it's working all the time. And every person here is infected with that disease. And it's terminal. Terminal. A desperate, a desperate, desperate, desperate remedy must be found. What is the remedy? There's only one remedy for sin, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth from all sin. Fools make a mock of sin. Yes, you can go on and laugh. You can be disobedient to your parents. You can mock God's standards of sex and marriage and divorce and ethics and social justice and all the rest of it and make fun of the whole thing if you want to. But I want to tell you if I'm the only one left in the whole world, I'm going to accept God's standards. The Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount in which he lays out his moral standards. And God is not excusing us because we live in a permissive generation. He's not excusing us any more than he excused Sodom and Gomorrah or Babylon or any of the nations of the past that have perished because of sin or individuals that have perished because of sin. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall die, the Scripture says. What about you? Do you mock at sin? The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And don't ever doubt it. Notice, your sin in that passage will find you out, though no one else on earth discovers it. Your wife may not know it. Your husband may not know it. Your children may not know it. Your parents may not know it. But God knows it. Be sure your sin will find you out. And every sin that's ever been committed will find you out. It's in God's record book. And the books are going to be opened at the judgment. And it's all there. Everything that you covered up, everything you did in secret, everything you got away with, you thought. Be sure your sin will find you out. Will. 
It's only a question of time. The word will is definite. The next word is fine. Be sure your sin will find you out. You've deceived everyone else, even your church and your friends. But one day a detective is going to come and put his hand on your shoulder and say, I've found you. It'll find you out in this life and in the judgment. Fools make a mock of sin. If you're mocking sin, laughing at sin, as though it's nothing really important, then you're a fool, God says, and it's going to find you out. And then the fourth fool that I'd like to mention from the Bible is the slandering fool. He that hideth hatred with lying lips and he that uttereth a slander is a fool, Proverbs 10, 18. Passing along an evil story about others, the Bible says you're a fool. Maligning other people's character, rep wrecking their reputation. They think themselves filled with smartness, but God called you a fool. Gossiping. You wouldn't think of killing a person with a gun or a knife, but you've killed their character. You've murdered them with your tongue. Or you try to pull someone down to get even, or because of jealousy by whispering innuendos in which you say someone told me or he did thus and so. And we commit murder by character assassination. And God says we're fools. He that uttereth slander is a fool, Proverbs 10, 18. Are you that kind of a fool? Are you a gossiper, a slanderer of other people's character? And then next, there's the covetous fool. And of course, that's taken from Luke, the 12th chapter. You remember the story Jesus told about the man who had laid up goods for many years and he went out and looked over his barns and looked over all of his businesses and he said, Soul, you've laid up goods for many years. Take it easy. Retire. You don't have to work anymore. Notice he was talking to his soul, to his spirit. There were three things wrong with that. He tried to find happiness in the wrong place, in money and in things and in materialism, and materialism will never bring you happiness. I talked to one of the wealthiest men in the world a few months ago. He sat with tears streaming down his cheeks, 75 years of age, and he said, I'm the most miserable man in all the world. He said, I've wasted my life. And then the second thing about this man was he ignored the power of influence. The Bible says no man lives unto himself. And this man had set a terrible influence on all the people round about him. And then the third thing, he had made no provision for eternity. Like you. You've provided for old age. You've got your pension. You've got Social Security, Medicaid, Medicaid, all the rest of it but not for eternity. You're going into eternity forever. Young people say, well, I don't have to think about that for many years to come. You may have to think about it tonight. We never know when our moment is coming. God never promises that you'll be alive tomorrow. Make your commitment to Christ now. Jesus called that man a fool because, you see, Jesus had said, he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God is wrong. 
Every person who is more concerned about getting some of this world's goods, like social climbing or making money or having pleasure, more than eternal things, God says, is a fool. That night, that man went to bed, already made his decision about he was going to put everything he had into this life. And that night, he clutched his chest. We, we're not told in Scripture how he died. I imagine it was a heart attack. But from heaven, there came a voice that said, Thou fool. He'd made provision for everything except that one moment when he had to face God. And if you're not concerned about your home in heaven, and you're not concerned about the riches that never fail, and you're not concerned about laying up treasure where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves do not break in and steal, then you're a fool. If you had asked this man, what is your name, this rich man? He would have said, my name is the rich man. I'm the prosperous man. I'm the eminent man. I'm the great man of the neighborhood. I'm a famous man. Then you ask God, you say, Lord, what's the name of that fellow over there? God says that the name of that fellow is a fool. The rich man knew every name but the right name. He had been called by his family name, his given names. He had been called by his ranks, his titles, his wealth. The flatteries of men had come to him, but in the sight of God, his name was, he was a fool. And many of you tonight, I'm that same category. You're not rich compared perhaps to that man or the millionaire I told about. But if you're an American, you're rich. Because you see, this year we're going to hold crusades in different parts of the world as well as in the United States. We will be in Manila in the Philippines. And then we go from there to India where we're going to be involved in three crusades in India. And I can take you to places in India and Bangladesh where the average income is around $35 a year. And if you have any shoes, if you have a crust of bread, you're considered rich. We're rich here tonight. And when God talks about a rich man, he's talking about us. And God says, if you don't make provision for heaven in God's sight, you're a fool. The Bible says, how are they brought unto desolation as in a moment? In a moment, it'll all end. In a moment, there'll be judgment. And then seventhly or lastly, it's the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I stand here and tell you tonight that you can find Christ by coming in simple childlike faith to the foot of the cross in repentance of your sins, and that it'll change your life and change your eternal destiny where you're going to spend eternity. And many of you tonight will call that foolish. How that a man could die 2,000 years ago and that that death could affect you tonight. But it's true. Hundreds of people could stand at this microphone in this arena tonight and tell you that the cross made all the difference in their lives. How that Christ came in and transformed homes and brought marriages together and changed people. And yet people on the outside who've never had this experience of knowing Christ may call us a fool. They say we're foolish. To say that a man can stand up here and preach as I'm doing tonight 
And there's power in the quoted Word of God. And there's power in the message, the power of the Holy Spirit, applying it to your hearts. And because of that, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And because of that, and you receive it as the Word of God, and you receive it as God's message, and you do it by faith, seems foolish, doesn't it? But it works. It's called the foolishness of preaching, the power of God. Do you know Christ? Has he come into your life and transformed you and changed you? Whose fool are you tonight? The foolishness of the gospel. The Bible teaches that the proclamation of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. I'm going to ask you to do something foolish. Foolish to the world. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat right now. Hundreds of you, as we've seen every night. Get up out of your seat and come and stand in front of the platform and say yes to Jesus Christ. Why do I ask you to come? Because every person Jesus called in the New Testament, he called publicly. There's no such thing as silently. You must openly acknowledge Christ and confess Christ. And the scripture, Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father, which is in heaven. You get up and come right now. You may be Catholic or Protestant. You may be good. You may be bad. You may go to mass or church every Sunday. But down deep in your heart, you know that you don't have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. You get up and come. We're going to wait right now while you come, quickly. If you would like to commit your life to Jesus Christ, please call us right now toll-free at 1-877-772-4559. That's 1-877-772-4559. 